Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise Billen Mejia in Delaware, USA. And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK. This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist. I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist. We are two hypnotherapists talking. So let's get on with the episode. <laughs> Martin, let's talk about that article I came across this week. <laughs> in in the New York Times? Yes, yes, you, you, that you one. Read, you read the posh papers. No, no, only, only occasionally. <laughs> I used to have a subscription, but it got too expensive with all the other mm. things I do. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, we always, when you hear of the New York Times over here, it's like when, probably when you hear of the, the uh, Financial Times over yeah, there, right. It's, right. Yeah, it's right up there. Yeah, I, I read the article, I found it really, really interesting, all about hypnosis, therapeutic hypnosis. I like um, the fact that it starts, not at the beginning, because we know that it's been around for thousands and thousands of mm. years, it's a natural phenomenon, but but it goes back to Mesmer and talks about animal magnetism and you know how it, how it started. And yeah. uh, a lot of people think, uh, you know, I've been mesmerized. They don't realize it's actually from somebody's name. <laughs> yeah, they don't realize it's actually um, related to a form of hypnosis when they say I've been mesmerized. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of our audience are not hypnotists, hypnotherapists. Um, so it might be worth us explaining that for a few minutes. What do you think? Sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Franz Mesmer was a German physician. So he was a medical doctor then, wasn't he? He was indeed, as, uh, are, as were many of the early hypnotists. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that um, Mesmer, of course, was was really influenced by the experiments that were going on with magnets. People mm. were discovering the electromagnet. That's, <laughs> that's were, right. There were yeah. lots of things going on, right. So he he thought that he he himself had this animal magnetism and it was it mm. was up to him. And and that's another weird that people think that hypnotists are doing something to the client yeah of course and, not. and we're, we're not. not we're just guiding them into that mm. that thing that... what i really like it when i've when i've read uh, and listened to other historians talking about him he was terribly theatrical mm. the cloak and the pocket watch and the i am the great yeah not the yeah, Houdini, I... but that kind of that kind of uh power over yeah, Mesmer, I mean, so it would take hours that, to get people into trance. That, that kind of thing seems really strange to me, that a, a physician would go for the theatric sort of thing. Um, they didn't have a lot of other tools. Remember, yeah. me- medicine in the 1700s, they, I mean, they knew a lot of stuff. Mm. I don't think they knew that they knew it half the time. But, but there were some really interesting cures. <laughs> And well, yeah, well, it course, was mostly, and... yes, you have this thing. I'll sit with you while you either recover from it or die. There wasn't a huge amount they could do. And surgery was, you know, you you did surgery on people when they were, had no other choices. Yeah, there because was, there were no anesthetics. Well, no anesthetics and you died from infection most of the time. I mean, it was, yeah. it was brutal. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't have germ theory back then. They thought it was in the air. So there's there's loads. Mm. It's, it's a fascinating subject. The history of medicine in general is fascinating. But, yeah, but they, they used to use leeches back then, didn't they? Yes, and they use them again now because not everything comes around again. We've got a better I, I explanation of it now. Um, <laughs> they use maggots in infected tissue, don't they? They do, and they use leeches for um, reducing hematomas when you've had surgery and some other injuries. 
not not you know not your average gp but plus no. people do you don't go into the doctor's office anymore and so these lovely white porcelain things that's leeches on the front <laughs> all right so get, getting back to mesmer then what the expression yeah. mesmerized comes from franz mesmer um but also animal magnetism i mean when i hear that expression over here before i'd sort of done my hypno learning the expression animal magnetism sort of in the modern day means something more like sex appeal right right um, it makes you think of harlequin romance covers yeah <laughs> yeah or mills and boone that type of thing <laughs> yeah um, so anyway he unfortunately mesmer was discredited a little bit by our very own mr benjamin franklin and some mm. other people <laughs> interestingly a guillotine was on that panel too which is an interesting name the physician guillotine who invented the guillotine did and he came to regret it yes he was so on he was committee. a physician yeah it, because he thought it was a more humane way to execute people <laughs> well, it was that's, quick. that's 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 yes exactly that's an aside from hypnotism but he was on the panel uh with Franklin for right, for okay. Louis the whichever one it was <laughs> that discredited um mesmer. the, the mesmer's theories yes and you know it's it, it is with everything it's one of the frustrations now with just about every form of medicine we have this oh this works and it works for this and it works for this and it does the dishes and it does that and mm. then it doesn't do one of those things and everybody's oh it's rubbish then they just throw it away yeah and that's basically what happened to hypnotism but some of the people who have been trained by Mesmer, like James Braid, mm. continued to work in the area. So I think that the, the, the article we're talking about says that in 1841, he started using that technique and he used it on patients with headache to get mm. rid of the pain. So was he still a, using the magnets then? Or no, was no, just the magnets. Was the hypnosis? Was, yeah, hypnosis. And he, yeah. he was the one that really, although it had been the term had been used before, he was the one that really popularized the use of the word hypnos no. yeah. for, for the Greek god. And of course, it isn't sleep, but it's so close to the time that you're asleep that it's understandable. That's right, because he did try and give the whole process a different name. Not, let me think of it. Let me think of it. What he was going to call it. I can't think of the top of my head. Do you know it? I, I jumped off my head. I just know he was, oh, his book was hypnosis. Yeah, he was. He was. He decided he didn't like the name hypnosis because of hypnosis meaning sleep. He, he decided mm. that was the wrong description for it. Um, uh, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to look this up and stick it in the show notes. It's easy for me now. Yeah. So James Braid, though, so he he did it without the uh, magnets and he did it without the theatrics. Right, or at least fewer theatrics. And there was a fair fewer amount because, you know, they were the great I am um, mm. yeah, doctors I mean, I, in the, I, back in the day, not like back, my era. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well, but again, back in that day, they, they had very few of the tools. And I suppose if people wanted to make a name for themselves in medicine or become a an authority on something in medicine, then they would. Yeah. Um, you know, perhaps have to put themselves out there a bit more. Of course, no television in those days, no no modern communications whatsoever. No Facebook. No, no, no definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, they, uh, he, he would, yeah, I suppose, looking back, yeah, they were very reliant on theatrics and mm -hmm. other, things to, other things to capture the attention. Bearing right. in mind back then, most people couldn't read. The general population well, I, couldn't yeah, read. Yeah, the general population often couldn't, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, so there's so, what the, what this article calls back to is the fact that hypnotherapy now can be used for so many things that we didn't realize mm. back then. And of course, there's so many more things that people come to the doctor for they probably just put up with before. You know, like mm. I can't sleep. I'm not sure people went to the doctor for I can't sleep unless they truly were not sleeping. There is a condition mm. that will allow you no sleep at all and will eventually kill you. It is extremely rare. Um, so what the what the I like about this article is it refers to the fact that hypnosis can't get rid of this reputation of being a joke or mm. um, you know, just just a there's a there's a new TV show, I think it's out of oh, it's a stage show. With what I can't remember his name. Oh my goodness, the two of us today. Anyway, he's doing a stage show, uh, which is sort of an improv mm. hypnosis thing um, that's being very well received. But I, you know, it still bothers me that often it means that people see it and think it's a joke or think it's staged yeah. or just isn't for serious. It's just for amusement. Yeah, that's it. It's it, it, uh, you know, no disrespect to our sort of stage show cousins let's put it that way let's be polite and put it that way but yeah it, it, it does prevent people taking things seriously doesn't it or on the other hand it can build people's expectations up to be unrealistic in what hypnosis can do what yeah it, it can do right and of course the the people who are hypnotized on stage fall into a certain category of of the way their brains work so that yeah. this kind of hypnosis I can be hypnotized. You can just say to me, Denise, would you like to be hypnotized? And I say, yes, thank you, Clint, because yeah. I want to. But on a stage, I wouldn't go under. No. Uh, because no. because there's there's just no way I would, there would be too much going on that I would have to give my conscious mind would not be able to let go. I, I'd so, be way too conscious to get on the stage in the first place. Yeah, well, me too, <laughs> but if I were forced. <laughs> so so but that implies to some people, only those kind of people can be hypnotized, and this isn't mm. true. Almost everybody can be because almost all of us are if we do it for ourselves. So certainly a hypnotist can help you get to where you would have gotten anyway. It just might have taken you longer and you wouldn't know what to do when you were there. Except have a nice daydream. It's really mm. therapeutic daydreaming is what we're doing. Well, well yeah, I mean, <laughs> anybody, I mean, I, I know we have said this in previous episodes, but if we've got any new listeners or viewers on at the moment, everybody goes into hypnosis a few times every day anyway, don't they at least? Whether mm -hmm. they've got themselves absorbed in a good book, they're totally absorbed, even scrolling when you get totally absorbed in it. It's right. a kind of hypnosis. Right. Um, because you focus on one thing and everything else gets excluded. Right. Yeah. And that's what and that's the, the nice explanation by David Spiegel, who I frequently disagree with. Not I, don't know, I never <laughs> meet I never meet the man. I don't go in such wonderful circles. But um you could have he a lively an, evening with him, though. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is a, a very well-respected psychiatrist yeah. who researches hypnosis and has used it since he was a kid. His father was a hypnotist and taught at Columbia. Um, oh, is that the history? But, I'm not yeah. aware of his history. I'm aware of yeah. who he is and what he's well-known for. Yeah, uh, and but, I don't but he, about his background. he, as a psychiatrist, obviously, is working with a, a particular subset of population. Mm. And he believes and has stated that 10% of people really easy to hypnotize 10% mm. can't be hypnotized mm. <laughs> and the rest of us fall somewhere in the middle and when I'm sort of okay with that but I think more of us can it, more of us can be without difficulty if you in the right circumstances and I mm. don't know what those circumstances for him would be I don't know how well I would be hypnotized if I were in a psychiatrist office in a big busy hospital I mean, mm. all of these things matter to us, which is, again, 
why we like using Zoom because the, the clients in their own home, they're in their they're they are comfortable where they are. They are comfortable, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's also, I mean, as we again we've said it before, but earphones I feel make a huge difference because people can really cut out any other interference whatsoever. Right. Um, well, they'll they'll well, hear it. Whereas when somebody's <laughs> if somebody's face to face in your office or my office, yes, of course, it's a very intimate experience. We're one to one. We're facing each other. But they're aware of more than the sound of our voice. So obviously, you know, that, that I know, isn't I'm there wearing headphones. A lot of hypnotists in their offices have their clients use headphones. Uh, quite really? a few of them will speak into a, a speaker. Yeah, listen, some uh, companies have some very nice equipment. But uh, I know of one hypnotist who's been working for probably 50 years in the business. He will see the client in his office send them into a private room, mm-hmm. have them on headphones and talk to him to them from his office mm-hmm. so that they decrease that external uh, influence. So they're less likely to jump out of it because of a sudden sound. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, um, yeah. G- gratitude alert. Something has just literally just popped up on my screen from Dr. Eugenia. Thank you for... Um being on the podcast and everything which oh, was how great. lovely <laughs> yeah it's just, just literally just pops up now there you go i was up for live and on the spot right so <laughs> and, and so if you missed last week's <laughs> yeah yeah go go and uh watch it cram-packed episode with uh yeah. eugenia um who had lots and lots to tell us uh, let's get back to this article in the new york times uh, right. so one of the other things they're talking about sessions online as we just said and also yeah. Um, it's it, very interesting to me that David Spiegel, he himself is part of, oh, what's it called? I want to call it Nervia. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Gosh, my memory today. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it's a self-hypnosis app. But he does talk about the fact that those things are really helpful for yeah. the generic things like insomnia or stopping smoking, which is general mm. relaxation. Uh, which is is very nice. I'm, I, as you know, I'm starting a group for people, um, which which will include things like sleep and weight, mm. uh, and group because it is a lower price point. But obviously, the the audios that people will get for that have to be more generic, so they may not get the full value. I'm hoping that most of them will have been hypnotized at least once before, mm. so that they'll know how to use it. But you can't take you can't. You know, use people's names. You can't, um, you know. Well, you remember the 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 induction I used using cats, kittens. <laughs> I love <laughs> that, that induction. I that, love that right. induction. But but I can't use that on any of my tapes because who knows how many people don't like cats? Or yeah. have, you know, there's there's so many little nuances that you have to make everything very bland to appeal to a wide audience. Yeah, somebody so, could just be drifting off and then you start mentioning cats and you might just terrify the life out of them. I've, I even thought about <laughs> when I was when I was designing my website, I was thinking, well, I could put that nice, I've got a lovely shot from one of the botanical gardens near me, just flowers and bees and butterflies. And I'm thinking, I could put that, oh no, there might be somebody that's got a phobia about bees, you know. It's, <laughs> maybe, yeah. they're all, maybe they're not oh, like yeah. yellow flowers either, so- who knows? <laughs> When it comes to bees, somebody may have good cause to have a phobia about them. Yeah, with the, yeah. yeah. We all know what can happen with the bees thing with somebody who's allergic. Do you know, I've just had the most silly thought pop in my head. I wonder if anybody's ever been treated, the opposite thing, I wonder if anybody's ever been treated for narcolepsy with hypnotherapy, because that would be a bit of a, a strange thing, because you've got to relax them in the first place, but they'll probably fall asleep. Well, but people, they fall asleep. 
People with narcolepsy will fall asleep mid-sentence. Anytime, um, yeah. Or walking. Um, I don't... I, I, I wonder if it's ever been done. It's a serious question. I'm just yeah, wondering no, if yeah. it's ever been done. Well, I don't know if they would have had a large enough group to have, have written it up. Um, uh, hypnotherapy for narcolepsy. Yes, there's an abstract in somebody, Francis, I don't know who he is. Effective use for hypnotherapy for control of narcoleptic sleep episodes experienced by a 40-year-old woman is described. Wow. Measures include post-hypnotic suggestions for deliberate and automatic hand movements by the patient serving as signals to ward off sleep attacks. Such Uh signals with visual imagery were also incorporated into into treatment. Excellent. What a nice thought you had. Now we can throw that into our list of things we can handle. Yeah, I, 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 it just occurred to me. I thought, I wonder if it would work for the opposite thing, but yeah, I mean, because it'll work for so many things. The, the, the thing in that article in the New York Times that really stood out to me was, um, I don't remember the name of the doctor because I, I, I <laughs> we've agreed today we don't have memory. <laughs> yeah, I have no memory today. Um, but it was a really interesting case of a female patient who had, I think it was three slip discs or something like that. Um, and she had had various talking therapies and powerful medication over the years uh, with, with, you know, some good results. But hypnotherapy took her to a level of pain management that none of those things with right. the medication had done. And right. I'm, I'm just wondering, because obviously you've got the medical background, I haven't, but I'm thinking slip discs, sore back. Could it be the actual process of her getting to such a state of relaxation with hypnosis that no other kind of talking would have done to her, even... Yes, I usually when people talk, do you try not to go to sleep, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Most looking... of the time, anyway. <laughs> um, the New York Times is behind a paywall, uh, so you can only read, I think, three articles a month or some mm. minor number, uh, but we'll put the link in the show notes because it is definitely worth reading the article. It's... Um... It's very useful. It is, I yeah. think, oh, yes, I've got it. It's a 32-year-old with chronic back pain, having yeah. herniated three discs. Right. And her is mental it... distress from, you know, she got so anxious about it too. Mm. That, she, that was why she was in talk therapy. Didn't really do very much. So that's, and she, and she also was using remote hypnosis. So she was Zooming yeah. as well. That was the other yeah. thing, yeah. And it, again, it's, you know, I'm just wondering what it was. That obviously, yeah, it's we can never fully explain hypnosis. That's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. But the the point of that had taken us to a level of pain control that perhaps, even, perhaps because I don't know the, the woman directly, but perhaps even having a hot bath or whatever wouldn't have done for her. Probably not. Um, and then she had the difficulty of getting out of the bath afterwards, which yeah, brought her back. I do know. I'm looking at this now while we while we're talking. Um, she describes how the pain felt faded away and she fell asleep. Mm. Have you had that happen with clients? I've I've had some clients who have been so stressed out and so sleep deprived because of whatever the issue is mm. that that they will drift off to sleep. You know, I think we did a little calculation. Is it worth waking them up or is it better just to let them nod off for <laughs> go through one sleep cycle and uh, I'll send them out the door and reschedule? <laughs> now, I I had a client this week who is suffering with anxiety and this mm. client as they were just drifting into not a heavy trance they didn't go very deep as they were drifting into a nice pleasant trance you could literally see the stress coming away from the face you could mm-hmm. see you, 
I mean, I, as you know, I do progressive relaxation and I say it and feel the muscles around your eyes relax. Mm-hmm. You could literally see yep. it happening as I, as I was, you know, g- giving the uh, instruction, as it were, or the gentle message. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 it never ceases to amaze me, this profession, Denise. It, it really, <laughs> or seriously. How sim- or how simple it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was, I was elegant simplicity that's what it is mm, yeah I, I like the word elegance um although I'm quite inelegant in myself on most of the time um but yeah it, it was really really heartwarming to see this person's face just relax and you could just mm-hmm. see because I thought they were not enough to sleep and they weren't you could, mm-hmm. you could see you could see the eyes going under the eyelids and everything mm-hmm. they were they were paying um you attention, know great yeah. attention paying great attention to what I was saying um, but they were obviously in a, in a state of very, very intense relaxation, far, far more than I expected them to go to at that point, because we'd, we'd literally only been going on about a minute and a half. Oh, really? So that was, yeah. had that had that person been hypnotized before? Uh, no. Yeah, getting back to that one. So three slick discs, that, that would be painful. I would, I would yeah. imagine it is. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't, knock on wood, ever slipped any discs, which is... Yeah, is that kind of my... thing only ever put right with surgery um, no sometimes oh. stretching it depends on how bad it is but mm. it's not uncommon to need surgery and 32 is very young to have such an issue mm. but i like the fact that she she points out that she she needs to go back to her she goes uses recordings of previous sessions and she uses mm. it frequently which is something that we also tell our clients to do i think you you send your clients home with a with an audio i do I send one to mine two or three days after the session um, so that they they can just practice using this. And actually, after a few sessions, most of my clients have built up a little library mm. of, oh, I'm feeling this today. I'll take that one. I'll take this yeah, one. Yeah, I tend to tailor the audios as the weekly sessions go along because mm-hmm. obviously as things progress, different messages are given, you know, the, the, the sessions change, each each session's tailored mm-hmm. to, to the client's requirements and so do the recordings that I give them. Um, strangely enough, though, it's like other forms of self-hypnosis. We can all do the thing where you just sort of lie there a little bit and whatever you drift. But if I, if I really thrust my head forward and go to one side, I can go straight into trance. <laughs> <laughs> As the years of practice here. I like yeah. the way this, and it's this just, because we're going to put this article, if you can't, get it this month because you've already used up just remember to hit first and march first um mm. but uh, the the tail in that uh client the lady with back pain says that she feels that now she's got the discipline to calm her body and mind when her pain flares up and mm. it's not like it works 100 percent of the time but the more you do it the more you get out of it and that is really the message for all of our clients that they need to engage in this, and the more they do, the better they'll get at it. And the less they'll need us because they'll do it for themselves. Yeah, <laughs> which is a the, good thing. And that that is the thing. Um, it's repetition, and the mind likes repetition. Not only will anything we do, like tying your shoelaces, the more you repeat it, the easier right. it becomes, right. and you can do nice little neural, bonded. nice little yeah. neural pathways. Oh, yeah, yeah that's it. Tre- treading through the jungle, I use always use the elephant through the grass metaphor, flattening the grass. Mm-hmm. The more times you do it the wider the pathway becomes. Um, but it's the, the, the mind also feels secure with repetition. It likes, you know, that's mm-hmm. why it can work it's in the, the reverse fa- way. It's the familiar. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the brain does like that, though. Um, mm, I, I put a funny thing on LinkedIn today. I thought oh. it was funny anyway. 
I put a picture of one of my little black books and a biro. Mm -hmm. uh, other brands are available. And I put underneath, do you want to know what's in my little black book? And then I've just put an explanation underneath because I thought I'll, I'll, I'll just make it intriguing. And I put an explanation underneath about journaling, about how it helps. Right. Soothe the night time. Sorry, just throw that in there. Do you <laughs> do you journal in the evening or in the morning? Night time, bedtime. I, I always go to bed thinking of positive things that have happened. Yes. I de deliberately put anything negative out of my mind at bedtime. Otherwise, I'm the type that I wouldn't get to sleep. Um, no, that's what I always recommend my clients do. Is and, and the more you have to look for it, the better it works because you've got to delve deep, especially if you had a really yucky day. You've got to look for a nice thing. Yes. Yeah, you've got to look for a nice thing and then you've got to look yeah. for another one and look for another one and then, then mm -hmm. you can go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be up really late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, I don't know why the, the expression, the little black book just came into my brain this mm. morning. <laughs> That's a, yeah. took a snapshot. No, of it. no names and addresses, just thoughts. No, 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 <laughs> no. Well, I'm way too old for that kind of thing. <laughs> Here's another interesting thing that was in that article as well. Somebody with um, inflammatory bowel syndrome. Yes, the the thing no, that the nice <laughs> nice guidelines agree, but they don't want to pay for it. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I have a very busy end of the month, as always, mm -hmm. because I've got to. I've got my new program launch. I'm. I start my funnel, as the business people say. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing a webinar next, a week from now, a week mm -hmm. from Monday, um, to try and allow more people to know about um, my new program, which is a 12-week. Actually, it'll be 14 weeks. So it'll be a, a, a prep week, 12 weeks, and then a sort of graduation, where do you go from here mm -hmm. uh, stage. Um, on the, the general well-being things, sleep, mm -hmm. food, happiness, relationships, those sorts of things. Um, mm. And that will be taking up quite a bit of my time. And then I'll be working on my course for physicians. Mm. So how about you? What are you up to? What am I up to? Well, I am hopefully starting um, my Mental Health First Aid England Train the Trainer course. Which oh, good. Then enable me to train people to be um mental health first aiders rather than medical first aiders mm -hmm. um and that they they are advising that every large company has one of those that has a medical uh, that has a mental health first aid yeah as well as the legal requirement at the moment for a medical um first how, aider how big a a business enterprise does it have to be to be required under the law I, i'm not sure i think it's something like more than 10 staff that you've got to have ten, a that's that's a pretty low number a, a registered medical first aid yeah you know, we've got to have done the course yeah, yeah. i mean th th there's quite a lot of things like that i mean it's like over here now every even the tiniest little cafe has got to have somebody who's got the basic food handling hygiene certificate which is all you know it's all well, that. related we don't want to eat do it yeah. do it um yeah, yeah I, I, would I think prefer it's quite a low number i mean I, I can look it up and stick it in the show notes um <laughs> i think it's quite a low number but there was that bill put through in front of parliament a couple of weeks ago where making it law that every place has a mental health first aider as well every place above a certain size um, mm. but at the moment most companies are trying you know most big companies are certainly getting mental health first aiders in anyway because they're seeing the value of it mm -hmm. um, of somebody recognizing do, do most of the big companies may be having trouble do most of the big companies have uh, wellness programs within their structure of or or can they refer to 
Yeah, a lot of a lot of them seem to be doing it more and more. But you've got a lot of the sort of apps and makers of apps trying to get in there with these companies, so people can self monitor and input. Um, Now, how that data is or would be used, I don't know. Um, Mm. But I know there's a lot of monitoring apps and one thing and another. But yeah, no, I mean I'm good old personal service. (laughs) (laughs) Good old fashioned personal service. (laughs) Yeah, and and writing articles so more people are aware of the importance of mental health. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, we've reached the end of another episode, Denise. I I know, I know. One only one more for us. Two more people, and we'll be done for the season. No two more for us after this one. There's, uh, yeah, yeah, this is episode seven. Then we've got nine and 11 um, of us. And then next week's episode is Josephine Blackburn. Right, okay. I'm off. Everybody who's listening or watching, have a great week. Thanks for joining us yet again. And please, please make a few comments so we know whether you want to hear hear us talking, babbling on and forgetting people's names. (laughs) Because... We're having fun, but we don't want to waste your time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Next week. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please remember, this podcast is designed to give you an insight into therapeutic hypnosis and is for educational purposes only. So remember, consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you've heard may apply to you or a loved one. If you found this episode useful, you can apply for free continuing professional development or CME credit using the link provided in the show notes. Feel free to contact either of us through the links in the show notes. Join us again next week.